the VO meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of the VO Meter podcast. Measuring your voiceover progress. I am Sean Daly with my host, Paul Stefano. Hi, everybody. Hi, Hi everybody. <laughs> uh, it's like the uh, the clerks on The Simpsons. Oh, my pimples. That's what I was going but... for. A mix, a mix of that and maybe President Clinton. Oh, gotcha there. Well, that's a lot of fun to do. So we have a wonderful guest on today, voice actor and coach Terry Daniel. Uh, you might know him from uh, from his very uh, open Facebook presence in the voiceover camp and the voiceover pros groups. Um, but other than that, since we have a coach and demo producer on the show today, the topic of the day is demos and demo production. Woohoo! Woohoo! Some exciting stuff. So before we talk about that specific topic of the day, let's quickly do some current events. What has happened in your VO world in the last couple of weeks, Sean? Well, um, just kind of recovering from the summer. Uh, I just got back from vacation, as we talked about in our last episode, so just trying to get some projects wrapped up. Every month I've got these um, very long e-learning projects from my, my first and most loyal client, and so I have to make sure that those are all uh, polished and done in a few days. And other than that, I got some um, some new international clients that I'm excited about, and working on an audio textbook for a um, for an actual English language institute in the Middle East. So oh, cool. Some some so some increasingly fun projects. I've seen some people complain that July was an incredibly dead month for them, and for me, it's actually been one of my most successful ones this year. So yay! <laughs> What about you, Paul? Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat. I wrote, I think that same post you were reading from Dan Hurst, I wrote that I've had my most successful month, I think, too. I just wrote a blog post about it that John Florian picked up and is going to uh, feature on VoiceOver Extra this week, so that'll be cool. But it comes from a couple of e-learning projects that I did where I, I signed up with this big e-learning company about mm, six months ago and waited patiently till they got me a few jobs, but now they're starting to come in and they're all union scale or close to union scale for explainer work or e-learning. Wow. And I've done three of them so far. I have another one that's coming up this week. And they have, they pay on time. And it's fantastic. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And I also and... am in the middle of four audiobooks that are in various stages of completion. One's almost done. One's in editor's hands. And two more I have to start. And then finally, I have done some work for that giant... Um, 10,000 or was it 60,000 word e-learning project I mentioned in episode 10. I've wow. done the first couple of jobs for them. They're coming in very slowly, a few sentences at a time. So whenever they come in, I just knock those out, send them off. They pay me the, the per minute rate and it's worked out well so far. Hopefully those will keep coming. Very cool. I actually, unfortunately, uh, I did lose a recent e-learning client for, it was like an 18,000 word oh, project. No. Um, so like they, they auditioned my voice. It was actually a referral from our friend, Mike Norgard. And, um, it was a project that like the time to rate, uh, ratio was no longer working out for him. So he recommended me and, um, unfortunately they're just like, uh, we can't quite get the sound from you we want, but they're very cordial and the, so I was like, and, and I felt like it was a bad fit too. So I'm like, I'm not too disappointed. 
But yeah, was something that I wanted to bring up is because, as you notice, Paul and I, we do a lot of either audiobook work or e-learning or corporate training stuff. And that time, like that kind of work doesn't really have dead periods throughout the year, unlike, say, commercial or some of the broadcast television work that you can be doing, which tends to kind of like peter out in like during the winter and summer holidays because everyone's on vacation. So especially if you're working with other countries. Yeah, exactly. So maybe vacation here in the U.S., but I'm working with a company in Australia where it's winter. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, these are all things that you should consider. I mean, if you get to a point where you're doing multiple genres of work, you could basically be working through the entire year because you're like, oh, like during the bulk months, you got your commercial and promo work. And then during the quieter ones, you can work on your longer, your longer e-learning or audiobook stuff. So that brings us to our topic of the day for discussion. We're going to talk about demos and some faux pas that some people might make when they're starting out. And we'll talk about our experiences with our demo production. So I'll start off with the biggest faux pas that everyone tells you not to do. And I think we talked about this in episode one as just the biggest overall newbie mistake, but producing your own demos. And I was totally guilty of this. I created some that I thought sounded good. I used a friend's music catalog because he was offering it to me for free and great tunes, but that wasn't necessarily the best fit for the copy I was writing. I wrote my own copy with zero experience other than my bachelor's in journalism, and they were terrible. (laughs) But I put them out on my website, and we're actually going to play one right here so you can hear just how terrible it is. But it suffices to say it didn't get me any work, and all it did was get me criticism from, and rightfully so, from all the VO pros that are out there. When you have a job to do, the last thing you need to think about is where to lay your head. You want to know when the day is done, you can relax, recharge, and get ready to do it all again tomorrow. You have a dream, but you've put it on hold. Maybe it's about the kids. Maybe it's about the house. Maybe it's about the time. Well, the one thing it doesn't have to be about is the money. With a next-day small business loan from Mayfield Community Bank, you can make that dream a reality. Open your eyes. Stretch your arms. Do you hear that? No? Nothing? Exactly. When you go camping, all the hustle and bustle of your normal world just melts away, along with your cares. Oh, Paul, 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 how how far you've come. (laughs) Or a little bit, at least. Well, I mean, to your credit, these can be like it can be a great learning experience to try and produce your own demo. Like maybe not. It's like writing those letters that you don't end up actually sending (laughs) because it could get you in trouble. Um, Yeah, that's a fair point. But I mean, it's important. Like I'm, I'm working on some new demos with the Global Voice Acting Academy, and they really want me to be as in like, inc- or as involved as possible. They want me to do my own research, figure out where my voice fits in with what products, um, try and find my own scripts, maybe write my own scripts, and like they do want a much higher level of involvement. But whether or not you want to do that for your first demo is is debatable. And and as Paul said, you should definitely get some feedback from trusted sources before you go off submitting it to agencies and stuff like that. Yeah, and that was the key. Once I heard from the pros out there, mostly on the VOBB, that that was a terrible idea. I did immediately take them down, and it it was a good choice. 
But it's interesting that you brought that up, though, Paul, because recently in our sort of uh, in our VO support group, um, we've we've been talking about genres where making your own demo might actually be a good idea. Yeah, that, that can be the case. Audiobooks specifically, um, the coach that we work with, Sean Pratt, has suggested that you create your own samples for your um, your audiobook work. And that was echoed at VO Atlanta when I was um, listening to uh, Amy Rubinate talk, where she said the same thing, that your audiobook samples really only need to be you reading an audiobook or the text of a book. And there are some criteria that, that Sean recommends. It's that it's about a five-minute length and that it's one genre, one piece. So it could be young adult, um, drama, it could be historical or um, nonfiction, but it should be one genre that showcases your talent in that specific type of work. Mm-hmm. And another thing is that since a lot of people are self-producing for, say, ACX or, uh, or just have a home studio, your demo is selling your studio as well. So, like, with commercial and narration, you might be going into an external studio still um, and when you're working with an agency. But for things like e-learning or, uh, or audiobooks, you really want to showcase your studio sound, too. Yeah, exactly. So let's shift gears and talk about professionally produced demos. I know you had one done early on, uh, I believe, with our guest today. Let's talk about those experiences. Yes, I actually had several demos done with Terry because I wanted to do all of the voiceover. Um, I would do all the voiceover. I would do all the voices. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Oh, God, don't get me started. My my girlfriend and I just slip into German all the time. And (laughs) there there was one time we went on a nature hike. And we, we were just talking like this for the whole time. And then when we got to the top of this beautiful, um, it's called Moana Falls, uh, we we heard some, we were eavesdropping on some people talking behind us, a couple of tourists. And it's like, so where are y'all from? Oh, we are from Germany. And it was like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I hope they didn't hear us on the way up. But uh, anyway, so I found it to do all the voices. And... Uh, and I talked with Terry, and I was like, I want a commercial demo, I want a narration demo, I want an audiobook, and I want a telephony, or IVR. And um, and he hooked me up with all of them. But uh, And that was about four years ago. We, we worked together for about six months, and then uh, I actually told him, like, you know what, I think I'm ready for a demo. And uh, and he's like, you know what, I think you are. <laughs> so Cool. Um, as I mentioned in the later in the interview, I actually traveled home to the States to visit my family. I was still in Japan at the time and then had booked a local studio from there. That way it was a lot easier to coordinate schedules and I could communicate better with the engineer and didn't have to use broken in- or Japanese. And uh, <laughs> and Terry didn't have to try and navigate the Japanese at all, which I'm sure he appreciated. <laughs> but and how did uh, that work out for you? Really, really well. And uh, th- like I said, this was almost four years ago. And depending on what circles you inhabit in the voiceover realm, People will recommend different amounts of time before you should update your demos. Some people say once every three years, some every two, every year. I've heard as often as every six months. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you can afford it, you want the most current content you can get that really showcases your ability. But honestly, I'm still booking work off of my demos from four years ago. As long as it showcases your abilities and it sounds like you, why change it? Awesome. My first professionally produced demo was done with Edge Studio, and that was as part of their training program where there was a a package deal, and 
there was a set amount of weeks where you were doing classes and then individual coaching with some of their their coaches privately and that was to be determined how many sessions you had until they thought you were demo ready so once that was done we did the demo i went to a professional studio in washington dc and they recorded it for me there with um, a phone patch into Rachel Butera, my coach that at Edge. And uh, mine came out great. It signed me to my first five agencies. Wow. They, they seemed to love it. And I had a really great experience there. Now, the one thing I want to caution against is that in that sort of environment where you have group classes and a predetermined time where you're going to produce your demo, uh, you want to be careful that you're ready. Because I have heard people have bad experiences with that type of environment where they felt like they were pushed out the door because they weren't ready. Now, in my mm -hmm. case, similar to what I did with Terry, which we'll talk about in a second, I was champing at the bit. I was ready to go. <laughs> I, was, I was studying all the time, practicing as much as I could, and I thought I was ready. And I pushed that process along. And I also made sure that I was heavily involved in the process. I think that's another problem that sometimes people have, especially if they're brand new, they feel like they shouldn't put in any input because what could they possibly provide to these, you know, professionals up on high that must know better? And I would mm -hmm. caution you to know your know, know thine self, as, as uh, Shakespeare said, and know what you want to get accomplished with your demo. And I definitely had that mindset where I had a certain um, sound I wanted to get across and I was not going to let them tell me any different. And I think it, it bared... The results speak for themselves, where I was immediately signed to some agencies, so it must have gone pretty well. Well, it's an important skill set to start building as early as possible, because one thing that we don't consider is that we're, we're creative collaborators. Like, we work with, like, a whole other team. We're not just, like, even though we record on our own, like, we're still kind of collaborating with the producer or with the agency trying to get a specific sound out of whatever we're recording. So it's really good to kind of build that collaboration from the beginning and that, like, being able to communicate as part of a creative team. Yeah, because those skills will serve you well later. When you're in a session, uh, especially if it's in your own studio, the, the director on the other side of the remote session may not hear you walk into the wall or, or drop that glass of water. And you would, you would want to say, oh, you know what, we need to redo that because I tripped or I just heard my dog bark in the background. Now, you don't want to have that happen. the mic, yeah. You don't want to have that happen all the time because then you're not professional, but you want to make sure that you're aware and being professional on your end so the professionals on the other end can do their job. So not long after my Edge demo, because as we've talked about, I've only really been doing this about three years, I looked into getting another demo done because my demo with Edge was only a commercial demo. And I wanted to get a narration demo done. So I started doing some research and asked some of my peers, which I highly recommend doing, ask your peers who they worked with, who they like, and get some, some advice on who does a good job out there and also might fit into your budget. And Sean, you said that your demo was done with Terry, and I was a big fan of that. So I contacted him and started working with Terry as well. And I didn't do any specific coaching. It was just the coaching in preparation for the demo production. So my process was much shorter, probably only about six weeks. But we, we wrote some copy together and, um, and recorded it in my studio, which didn't have to happen, but I was pretty confident in the way my studio sounded. It was Volvo Studio um, approved. Yeah. Well, yeah, Volvo, Volvo Studio certified by the tech committee there. And I was confident in the way it sounded. And when I sent a clip to Terry, he thought so too. 
So we did it in my studio with him passionately. It's plain old Skype, and it worked out great. Now, I want to say again, Terry, as you'll hear in the interview, has a very strong personality if you don't already know him. And that could have a detrimental effect on the result if you're not strong-willed, like I was saying before. So even, <laughs> even with somebody who, who has a strong personality, you want to make sure that you can work with them and they're going, to, they're going to listen to your feedback. Now, it turns out Terry is really receptive to feedback. So I had a script that I wrote myself. So there was, I think, four clips. He wrote, or five clips. He wrote four of them, and I wrote the last one. And it was because it was an Edgar Allan Poe piece. And a lot of my work is, is based on sort of a low, dark, creepy voice. I've done a lot of horror audiobooks. I've done some, some character work where it's a, a, a creepy, uh, creepy serial killer. And that's a voice that, that suits me well. So I made sure I got that in there. And the other reason is because living in Baltimore, I wanted to have something that represented my local flavor. And mm. everybody here loves Edgar Allan Poe because of uh, him spending some time here and ultimately passing here. And his grave is a local landmark. So I put that in. At first, Terry was like, yeah, I don't know about that. And I said, no, we're doing it. And we did I it. it was one of your strongest spots. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. That's what most people say. So, again, the, the point is... Know, know yourself and make sure you get your own flavor into your demo, even if someone else is producing it. Very cool. And so kind of going off of that, um, like really pe- having your own input, like I was saying, I'm working on two new demos with the uh, the Global Voice Acting Academy right now, a new commercial and new narration one. Um, because like we were saying, every now and then it can be important to try and reevaluate, see if it's still, um, if your demo is still the best representation of your, your current skill set and talent. And... Uh, my my friends and coaches over there, Christina Malizia and David Rosenthal, were like, "Yeah, this is good, but it doesn't showcase your whole like enough variety, and it doesn't showcase your full abilities." So that that was the main reason why they would encourage me to make another one. Right now, like I said, like I had a lot of help from Terry for my previous ones, but this one, it's just like. It, it, you really get what you put in because it's like I'm. They really want me to have a much higher ownership of these demos. So um, Christine was very helpful. She sent me a couple of talent who she thought f- had a similar kind of voice and style to me. She's like, um, she's like, study all of their work, listen to their demos, figure out what kind of products they're uh, they're marketing for, figure out what kind of products you want to do. And then, like nowadays with the internet, there's so it's so easy to just research commercials. I mean, we have YouTube. You can literally just do like BMW commercial, like 2017 commercial, and see what they're doing right now. Or uh, another popular one is iSpot.tv, which is where it's pretty much just like all commercials all the time. And you could even like learn about who voiced a spot or who produced a spot. And um, and just learn about like you can learn so much more and be so much more involved in the process it's kind of it's a little intimidating not gonna lie but it's also very empowering too and i know that when we are um that we're done are working on these they're just gonna be amazing so before we get started with mr terry daniel we will actually have a vo meter stick from a mutual acquaintance mr rob marley no not the reggae musician this is voice talent and blogger rob marley he's got an incredible blog and a wonderful free ebook uh, that you should definitely check out. But before you do that, why don't you listen to this episode's VO Meter Stick? Hey, everybody, it's time for the VO Meter Stick. What did he say? It's time for the VO Meter. Oh, never mind. The VO Meter Stick? 
Oh, got it. Hi, Sean and Paul. Thanks for allowing me to share my shtick with you. Wow, that sounded bad. Anyway, I was listening to your last podcast, and Paul had mentioned that he had his first live-directed session with a client, and I thought I'd share my first experience. Now, I thought I'd planned out everything perfectly. I'd worked with hundreds of clients so far in my voiceover career, but this was my first experience with the client, in this case the producer and engineer of the spot, listening in while I did the recording. It's one thing to be able to flub a line and redo a take while you're by yourself in your little studio, but man, it's a whole different ballgame when there's someone watching or listening closely to your performance live. I didn't know if the client was going to use video with Skype, so I made sure my background looked professional. I mean, come on, I work out of a closet. Now, I've studied acoustics for several years, and I understand the finer points of wave propagation and acoustic absorption. I've done the work, treated the walls, carefully isolated all interior noise, and my room boasts a very respectable negative 73 dB noise floor. In other words, it's pretty good. I work really hard to be as professional as possible, but the trust that a client has in me might be completely nuked if they catch a glimpse of a t-shirt hanging in the corner of the shot that says, Damn right, I've been naughty, now spank my evil butt. As it was, the client connected via the audio-only mode of Skype, so it wasn't really a problem. The first take went well enough. I thought I hit all the key points, and the client seemed okay with this take. They asked for a second take, and while I was setting up for that, I discovered that the first take didn't record. I don't know what happened. I, I apparently never started the record or thought I did. I hit the shortcut keys I used for my software and thought things were recording, but they weren't. So it was at this point that I have to then tell the client that there was a problem with the first take and that we would need to do it again. They understood, and I quickly delivered a respectable second, third, and fourth takes. The client seemed happy and the audio sounded good, but I never heard from this particular producer again. The moral of the story is uh, try to be prepared for anything, but know that it's going to be the thing you can't imagine that will probably be the thing that trips you up. Knowing how to fix the problem and how to handle yourself while you do it is what separates the amateur from the pro. And it's something we all need to be reminded of from time to time. Anyway, thanks for letting me ramble at you. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Okay, so now we are pleased to welcome our guests for this episode. We are so excited to have coach, voiceover talent, marketing extraordinaire, and dare I say, uh, ambassador to the voiceover community, Terry Daniel. Welcome, Terry. Uh, you know, I like to be preferred to as the pharaoh of voiceovers. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah, so please uh, address me as that from moving forward, or I'm going to hang up on you bastards. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm very, very happy to be here. Fantastic. We're, yeah, we're very excited to have you. So, Terry, uh, let's jump right into it. I'm sure people are wondering who aren't familiar with you. How exactly did you get started with voiceover? Uh, this is a true story. My my parents. Now, this is going to make me sound like a real dinosaur. Uh, my parents bought me a Donnie and Marie microphone uh, when this is now. This is the latter part of the '70s. I'm probably about maybe nine or ten years old when this is happening and this is this is like mr microphone this is where you you know you put the battery in you turn on the mic and you find that empty frequency on your fm dial and then you can kind of sing and talk through i mean go go look up mr microphone commercials on youtube it's hilarious you'll watch it ten times in a row because it's uh, it's hysterical i had one of those actually really... i think we're close to the same age and 
Oh yeah, yeah I, I, I would had put one as on, well. I would put. Oh man, I would put on concerts for my parents, and it was just brutal. I would try to sing like the entire album from like Paul McCartney and the Wings. Nice. Uh, I, I would sing uh, Terry Jacks. That depressing freaking song, uh, Seasons in the Sun, which I believe was oh, wow. uh, it was very depressing. And, uh, man, I was one screwed up kid. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of how I got started because, it, you know, I had a microphone in my hand and I really haven't put it down since because after that, you know, that's when I kind of got into radio. And uh, I started just a quick, funny story with you guys uh, in the, you know, about 18, 19 years old. You know, we all had like those silver Panasonic boom boxes. I would record commercials off, you know, various shows, and then I would practice along with the commercials. Then on television, I would record the TV spots, you know, in between the Love Boat and the Dukes of Hazard, you know, with my Montgomery Ward's video cassette recorder. And I would practice along with those commercials. But then I would do like fake radio shows. I would record <laughs> I would record them onto a cassette with my Sears home stereo. I would plug a little Radio Shack microphone into the input and, you know, play songs and, and write and perform fake commercials. And I would even record uh, phony prank phone calls. I would stick the microphone to the ear part of the landline phone. And I would call up businesses like McDonald's in the area. And bullshit them and tell them, you know, I, I told one manager of McDonald's, and I'm recording this, by the way, I said if he could get everybody in the entire restaurant to stop eating their breakfast and sit, uh, stand up and sing, here comes Peter Cottontail, uh, that I would send the restaurant $50,000. <laughs> And, you know, I, you know, I'm pretending like I'm this hot DJ in L.A., you know, hey, man, this is Chuck McCann from K-Rock L.A., and then I would have him go do something really stupid, and this guy did. You could actually hear him slam the phone down, and you could hear him in the restaurant area coaching people to stand up, and you could literally hear about 30 people sing, here comes Peter Cottontail. So then he comes back to the phone all excited that I'm going to send him a check, and then there's this kind of subtle, dramatic pause, and I said, well... Bill, I think Bill was his name. I said, Bill, you've just been the victim of a prank. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Howard Sternish. He tells a similar yeah, story I was, about you know, 19 years old, kind of a uh, kind of a jackass. 19 years old. I would never encourage people to do that. I mean, you could get away with so many weird things back then. Do you guys remember when uh, there was no caller ID? Actually, you could call somebody, and then you could click the receiver, and then get the other line, and then call somebody else, and then you click your receiver again, and then you connect those two people, and then you can just sit there and see what happens. Yeah, I think I technically still have that service on my phone, but I haven't used it in 20 years. So these people think, you know, well, I, I didn't call you. You called me. No, you you called me. I didn't call you. You know, you just sit there, and they just bitch back and forth. It was uh, This is pre-internet, you know, internet, so life was pretty entertaining back then. But uh, long-winded story short, that's what really got me excited about doing voiceovers and, and just being able to, to do this for a living has been a lot of fun and, and really such a joy, gentlemen, such a joy. <laughs> well, you've obviously grown up quite a bit. <laughs> but yeah. what, what is the focus mm-hmm. of, your, of your voiceover business from a talent standpoint now? Well, it's interesting because, you know, we all fall into that specialty. We all fall into that niche. And many, many years ago, you know, it was more of a commercial e-learning type dude. You know, that's pretty much all I would do. You know, the the occasional IVR gig, I guess, would would come across my, my desk. But really within the last few years, I've, you know, gotten more into kind of like theme park announcements. You know, for example, if you're like on a roller coaster ride at like Six Flags, you, I mean, you guys have heard that voice. Mind uh-huh. the gap. <laughs> please, 
please keep your hands and feet inside the car until the car comes to a complete stop. You know, it's stuff so assuring like that. and authoritative. <laughs> yes, you know, and what's nice is it, it it's it's a beautiful fit for my attention span, which is uh, very limited at the ripe <laughs> old age of forty nine. I've tried to do a few audiobooks. I couldn't stand it. I would uh, I would entertain the idea of maybe doing another one if I were to play a character in the audiobook, but some of these long three hundred page audiobooks on search engine optimization and various car parts. You know, I, I, I would prefer to send those gigs to you guys. <laughs> yeah, it takes a special we breed. We take it with Gesto. I've done a nine-hour book, do uh, nine book on uh, Radha Swami, the Middle Eastern religion. Try that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, and you hear from people all the time, you know, that have these ACX accounts, and they're, they're doing it just to get experience. And, and I think that's great. You know, it's a, it's a good service for that. But I just, you know, as the years kind of went on, I got a little spoiled with these promo announcements that I'm doing at theme parks and baseball games and state parks and, and all that, you know, they just, they send me three sheets of announcements at pretty much the same rate as some of these audiobooks would pay. So I got, I got pretty used to that. And I'm pretty happy with it. Very cool. And so about how long into your career did you start transitioning into voiceover coaching, Terry? The coaching part of it was, you know, I was, I did, you know, I did a lot of theater back then. You're going to hear a few bumps. My crazy yellow lab is right above the studio, so she might get a little out of hand here. But I got into the coaching aspect because, you know, I've direct, I directed some plays back in the 90s. You know, I used to be a drama coach and uh, ran an improv group and, and, and I've done, I've always enjoyed the mentoring and the teaching part of it. But what really got me motivated to do it was, uh, you know, I would get calls from people who, you know, dropped about six or seven grand on what we call demo mills in the industry. And I'm not here to bash my competition or, you know, hang anybody out to dry, but there's plenty of them out there now that charge way too much money for, for too little. Everybody's reading from the same scripts. Everybody's demo sounds the same. And you're really more of a number than a person. It really, it really broke me when somebody called me, and, and literally, this is not a joke, they started weeping because they had paid like five or six grand. Oh, and, uh, you know, this coach or program, they, they, you know, they promised her stardom, and they, they filled her head with all these empty promises. And I just, you know, I just got kind of tired of it. And I'm like, you know what, I'll start taking a few students here and there and, and just kind of showing them what worked for me when I launched into this full-time many moons ago. And it's just a straight-up you know, mentorship program. I've tweaked it, obviously, a few times since. But that was really the birth of Terry Daniel, the voiceover coach. Very cool. And so, like, what, what do you feel separates you from, like, as a coach from either these demo mills or even some other coaches out there today? Well, I'm not much of a smoke blower. I'm a pretty candid person, as you guys have known me for a long time now. And, yeah. you know, I don't really mince words in Facebook groups or, or anything. And honestly, I've put my foot in my mouth a few times because of it. But, <laughs> you know, you, you, you heard my story when I was young and doing the prank phone calls and just being kind of a class clown. I mean, that, that certainly hasn't changed. Uh, but the only, uh, you know, part of the reason... What was the question again? <laughs> See, I told you, ADD voice talent. I warned you guys. He's got his prescription right there, folks. It's real. I can... All right. The, the, <laughs> it's the, been confirmed. The, the, the separation thing. I think it's because I'm real. You know, I don't try to 
you know, I love the teaching end of it, but, you know, I'm not teaching science. I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not one of those big grouchy history teachers that you had in high school. I don't, uh, I take it seriously to a point, but we have a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's it's very candid training. I think it's, uh, people have gotten uh, a lot out of it. At least that's what they tell me. And I think that's just the separation is because I treat people as an individual and I try to find a niche for each person as opposed to, you know, inviting 500 people into a, a weekend, you know, seminar and then forcing them into a studio that Monday morning to do a demo. My God, I think even some of the top tier talents in the country aren't going to be ready for a demo that quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, so mine's a little more of a, you know, drawn out uh, mentorship where we just kind of keep working until that. You know, until I feel that they're ready, until the talent feels that they're ready, there's a mutual understanding that, all right, you know what? We've been working together for 35 years. <laughs> okay, well, maybe not quite that many. Let's no. take the next step. But, you know, I never like to pressure anybody. I'm like, okay, we got to get this done by then and this done by then because we got to get you into the demo session by Thursday, July, such and such. And all that does is create anxiety and tension. And people are a little more too keyed in on their calendar than just learning the mm. craft and practicing. So I, I kind of take that off the table. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you're so just genuine. When you work with people, like you don't put on any kind of teaching persona and um, like you're, you're just incredibly flexible and relaxed and fun to work with. So uh, I miss our old coaching sessions, Terry. You never call I know. Anymore. Well, Sean, I think, <laughs> I, speaking of which, I think Sean and I uh, worked together back when I still did have the Donnie and Marie microphone. <laughs> um, so I think, you know. I don't even remember. I think, Sean, you and I, uh, that must that have been about, what, about four years ago. I think. Oh, is that only four? Really? It felt wow. like 14. Well, you were such a jerk to work with. <laughs> I would have been 14, 14 years ago. You were oh, so, don't rub you it were, in. You were so high maintenance and you were such a diva. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, Terry, talking about the way people approach the coaching and the demo production, do you feel that it's better to listen to what the coach or, or the demo producer says wholeheartedly, or do you feel that it's better to come with your own ideas and have sort of a give and take? Because I know when we did our demo, and it's been very successful, thank you very yes. much, I appreciate all the help. I'm very happy about that. Uh, when we were working together, I felt like I was maybe pushing a little too hard, but I definitely had some ideas in my head. I tend to be a little stubborn. Do you, feel, you find that that's a better style where the person comes with their own ideas, or do you feel more comfortable when you're providing the direction almost wholeheartedly? Somebody like you, Paul, you had some experience, obviously, so you weren't super green. Uh, so I, I welcome ideas. And, you know, when I work with people for the first time who have zero experience, sometimes they'll bring ideas and it doesn't always work very well. As long as I can have some veto power, I definitely want it to be, you know, an established, good working relationship. And it's never my way or the highway. Somebody, a student might actually write, you know, his his own her own scripts now i have somebody to write the scripts because my my programs have received a complete makeover i've got a website designer i've got a marketing person and it's a little more than just terry daniel it's uh it's there's other players involved as well as we slowly kind of get out this uh this other program but you know i'm always up for ideas i think that's part of being a good coach is being open to listening to creativity from the talent and not well i'm the teacher you're the student so what do you know 
You know, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not that kind of a relationship. And especially with demos. I mean, those are going to be very important to come up with scripts that not only are a good match for that person's persona and skill level, but to also come up with content that, you know, matches with their, their personalities and their hobbies and interests, because you have to be engaged in the content that way. And there's just different methods that uh, that we use now. And back then, you know, when I first started doing the demo thing, you know, I was kind of learning as well. So I, you know, I would do what a lot of companies did. Oh, let's just find some scripts online, and uh, we'll we'll do that for your demo. That's no longer the case at all. That was a learning experience. And although there were some good demos that way, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to use the same scripts as you know. 15 other companies were using. So now when I do demos, all of the scripts are 100% originals. Awesome. Very cool. And do you ever turn people away for either coaching or demo production? Nope. I'll just take their money. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just, I just contradicted everything I just said in the last 20 minutes now with that stupid joke. No, I do turn people away. I, you know, I don't exactly put them through like a, a Peter O'Connell entrance exam entrance. Uh, you know what? That's one of those words where it looks easy on paper and I can never say it in conversations. Entrance. I don't necessarily put people through an entrance exam, but I do have them read a few scripts, you know, fill out a form learn a little bit about, you know, what they're what they're able to do technically. And, you know, you don't have to be perfectly technically sound to work with yours truly, but, you know, you have to have a little bit of skill, let's be honest. And um, I, I do turn plenty of people away. I, I do get a lot of emails and phone calls from people all over the country and overseas. And it's a, it's a little bit of a process before we get started, for sure. And then just wrapping up on the demo production, what percentage of... of people working with you, would you say you're able to record from their personal studio versus making them either come to you if they're local to Minneapolis or go to a local studio where they are? That's a great question. Uh, you know, more and more, you know, Paul, you did it from your home setup and that worked out great. Uh, it's well, getting to be it more sounds and so more. Wonderful. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's, it's getting more and more uh, likely that they can record from their home setup. But I usually have to send, you know, they'll send me a couple MP3s and I'll kind of dissect the audio a little bit. It's got to be A1. I might throw the MP3 over to a Cliff Zellman or a Dan Leonard and go, you know, this sounds great to me. But I just wondering if I could get a second opinion because we're going to do this person's demo from their recording studio. And if it's not the case, you know, I, I typically book somebody in a studio in their area. And they patch me in. Sean, I think we did your, didn't we do yours in Japan or something like that? No, I actually timed it. So when I visited my home for Christmas in Washington, I found a local oh, studio over there. that's right. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So I that way you were only like three hours ahead instead of like 18. Yeah, that was very helpful. So that, that was a perfect example of just recording in a studio in their area. I do invite people to come and see me. I mean, they're always welcome to fly here if they want to do the demo live and have that face-to-face -face time, but that's what we do for uh, local talents here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, but it's pretty easy now with studios that have phone patch, you know, Source Connect, and even Skype, you know, it'll work as long as both parties can hear each other. It's uh, It works really well. Yeah, it can certainly be tempting to, uh, to use your own studio because it showcases the quality of audio you can come out with but in the same vein it's still so much to kind of like i mean to be the engineer and the assistant director and the talent it's yeah. a lot to worry about for your first demo i agree and you know that's the beauty of doing it in a studio is you do you have the coach you've got the engineer that you know to worry about all the audio and i, I love doing it in recording studios for that main reason for sure 
And so one thing I've noticed and really like about you, Terry, is that you're, you've been pretty much an early adopter of social media as a marketing tool. So could you tell us a little bit about your web presence on the various social medias out there? Well, I believe social media is a fantastic platform for political piss matches. <laughs> and I love to just soak it all in and waste at least eight or nine hours of my day pretending like I know every thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, is this what is this show rated PG-13? Because then I think I can get away with that. We might have to roll back that. We'll, uh, we'll get that your day. own Terry bleep. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, uh, serious answer. You know, social media has been responsible for probably be about a dozen or more brand new clients every year. You know, some of them stick around to become regular clients. Some of them don't. But still, you know, relationships based on like Twitter, Facebook and even Instagram. I have not. And this might sound silly because people always think, oh, well, you got to be a part of LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is a major business, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I just honestly have never been I've never really liked it that much. I, I, I like to stick to just two or three different social media sites. You know, I'm not I'm not much of a Snapchat guy. I know all the kids love that one. But I've gotten some pretty good gigs, you know, via relationships that were started via Facebook, Twitter uh, and Instagram. Very cool. And like I said before, you sort of like you've really built a Facebook community for voiceover talent because you've you've sort of started two pages with a uh, fellow talent, Dave Curbassier. So why don't yes. you tell us about those? Uh, well, there's there's two groups. And here's where it all started, honestly. And, and a lot of voice actors that are listening to this podcast are going to remember it. It really all started on voiceover universe, the website mm -hmm. many, many years ago when Facebook was just kind of getting going, there weren't really all these groups in there. I mean, you had your profile and you had, you know, probably about 20 or 30 friends and you know, it was, uh, you know, and it was fine, but you know, voiceover universe was really the place where we all came to kind of chat with one another. You know, they would, they would schedule events in there. You know, the beauty of going to a voiceover conference, like I believe it was Voice 2008, where everybody that met up met on this voiceover universe website. And it was terrific. It was like almost like a class reunion or something. Everybody kind of knew each other. And it was uh, a heck of a lot of fun. Of course, back then there was one voiceover conference. Now there's like one every day somewhere. Um, Seems like gotten, it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's gotten a little watered down, to be honest with you. But I mean, there's still some good stuff out there. But that that was the the Penny Abshire James Alberger event in the early years of like, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. I mean, they were just I mean, lights out, fantastic conference. But then Facebook got around and suddenly these groups popped up out of nowhere and they started to become popular as a matter of fact it kind of put voice over universe you know about six feet under once they got popular but dave had a group called voice over friends and i had a group called voice over pros and the same people were in both groups and we were both kind of doing the same thing i'm like you know i called dave up one day why don't we just combine the two groups this doesn't really make a hell of a lot of sense right so he agreed to do it so we got everybody together and then just called it voiceover pros so there's you know tons of people in that group and there's a lot of good discussions you know occasionally there can be too many chefs in the kitchen and 
everybody's <laughs> an expert at just about every subject, but that's, you know, you're going to get that in just about any forum. Mm-hmm. Um, I also created VoiceOver Camp, which is really created for the new talent. You know, people interested in either getting into voiceovers or they're just getting started and they don't want to be overwhelmed by, you know, SAG after a voice actors and all this, all this stuff that they're not going to be familiar with for a very long time. Uh, that's kind of a place for them to go. So it's uh, VO Pros and VO Camp. I don't know the exact URLs for those, but if you do a search in the little search box of Facebook, just type in VoiceOver Camp and VoiceOver Pros, and you can find either of those two groups. There's a search box? <laughs> I know. Great. Can you believe it? I never know the the actual URL for these things, but mm-hmm. people people obviously find them because we get requests uh, for people to to come into those every day, and it's really it's amazing because now I think there's about a hundred voiceover groups out there, and that can get very overwhelming. And by the way, it can be quite distracting to your career while you're sitting in there, about fifteen to twenty different voiceover groups, soaking up some of the information and asking questions and giving out your expert opinion. Suddenly, it's like nine o'clock at night, and you haven't done a damn thing. Yeah, that certainly has happened to me on occasion. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've we've all been guilty of it, believe me. But uh, that really has become, I mean, Facebook, I know there's groups on LinkedIn, you know, that uh, that people kind of swarm to once in a while. But really, these Facebook groups are really huge now for lots of different industries, not just voiceover, but podcasting and photography and and uh, theater acting, you know, onstage acting and improv. It's it's really it's become quite the uh, quite the empire. Well, speaking of podcasts, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention your own podcast, which is where I was really introduced to you first, The Voice Over Cafe. I was an ardent fan listening to every episode. You mentioned um, Voice 2008. I remember the interview that you and Trish did from there live, which was just yes. hilarious uh, because, <laughs> yes. frankly, it was just a mess. <laughs> but it was oh, so yeah, much fun. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and yeah, Sean and I was... actually tried to mimic that when we went to the Mid-Atlantic Voice Conference last year. We did it live from there as well, sort of trying to uh, drag on your ambiance. coattails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it gets a little noisy, and people are talking over each other, and that—that that was actually that—that that was the Voiceover Cafe was actually spawned from an older podcast that Trish and I did called Voiceovers on Demand. I think technically that's who you were representing in Voice 2008. Yes, but yeah, yep. And you can still find those old episodes on. Uh, on iTunes, and, and the, the, the <laughs> hilarious part about that podcast is the audio never sounded the same on every episode. That sounds familiar. Kind of like ours. <laughs> no, it would be like, I'd use a different mic, or it'd be louder, I'd use different, it was just a mess. And uh, But yeah, VoiceOver Cafe, we record that podcast about once every two years. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's been so hard to get together. When, you, when you're working with like five or six people, unless you all work together in the same office, it gets oh, to be a little challenging. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. So uh, we'll definitely be back at it. There's no question about it. And it's voiceovercafe.org for, for that one. Um, but I do it. I did create a mini podcast series for the voice talent with ADD, and that would be ninety five percent of all voice talents. What? Um, what do you say? Called, it's called. <laughs> Where? Boy, vo- <laughs> you can go to voiceoversermons.com, and the beauty of it, uh, yeah, it's me rambling and ranting about stuff. But there's good information in there, and I think the longest one ever was like ten minutes long. So that one, that one does pretty well. It's it's just something you can kind of plug in and and take a little lesson and be just be done with it by the time you, you know, get off the toilet. <laughs> and though, I, I love your voiceover sermons because they're short and sweet. And um, 
Like it either gives you a nice reminder of something that I had been failing to do in my own business or just new ideas. And sometimes it can kind of pick you up and you're like, oh, I'm not making any progress. Like, shut up and get back to the mic. And sometimes it can really get me into trouble. I'll give you a little story here. <laughs> At one time, I bashed a talent agency here in town uh -oh. because they didn't sign me. Uh, with the, the, the former owner, this is how it got started. The former owner was going to bring me in and add me to the roster. And has decided at the last minute that they that I wasn't a fit for the agency. And I was kind of young and stupid back then because I, I let my ego get the best of me and I started lashing out and, you know, sent them along, you know, drank a bunch one night and, and left a big, long, angry voicemail. <laughs> you know, this is like quite a few years ago now. Like um, almost one. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then they have new ownership. And then I tried to get back in with the agency. And it's funny. And the funny part is, is, you know, they like the demos and it sounded like it was going to happen. So I go in and the new owner brings this up at the meeting. Oh, I'm like, no. wait a minute. What? So I understand there was a little that you did a little podcast episode. <laughs> and I literally just shit my pants when she said that <laughs> because I was not kind uh, in the episode uh, about that particular agency. I apologized profusely for it, regretted it, deleted that episode. Um, so, you know, I have been known once in a while to uh, put my foot in my mouth. But it had a happy ending because they're a terrific agency. Uh, I get a few gigs every month from them. They've been very good to me. We, we, you know, we had to start from scratch, and I had to kind of earn their trust, <laughs> which was justified, really, uh, after my horrible mistake of just teeing off without really thinking about it. And then it's they've really it's really become quite a very very positive relationship. Awesome. Well, Terry, as you may know, our podcast focuses mostly on the newer talent who are just starting out, and our focus is really to try to educate them on the stupid things we've done and maybe you've done as well to maybe sandbag their career and try to avoid those things before they yes. get into trouble. <clears throat> What's some advice you can give to talent that are just starting out, either equipment or where they should go for coaching? What's the, the right path to, to start down so they eventually have a fruitful career? Well, you mentioned, I mean, I'll start with, let's start with the equipment because, you know, if you're going to spend $200 on a USB mic, you might as well spend 400 on a really good mic. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're really serious and passionate about it, spend the extra money. It will go a long way. USB mics, you know, are good for on-hold messages and maybe a podcast or maybe maybe an explainer video. But if you really want to get into more of the commercial broadcast work, it's going to, you know, it's going to benefit you to buy that better mic. And I know that, you know, even I used to say, well, just get a USB mic for a couple of years until you build up your clientele. You know, I, I used to say that many, many years ago. And I'm like, you know what? You know, you could get a Rode NT1A for like $200 more. It sounds incredibly better than like an AT2020 or a Samsung or an MXL or, or one of those mics. So, you know, not to really put the cart before the horse, but you should definitely learn how to read a script before you start buying equipment. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to buy a microphone, you know, what, what's an extra $200 if you're truly passionate about doing this? So speaking of, what are some other like kind of shortcuts that you see newer talent trying to take that really just like, oh, why won't they listen? Well, for whatever reason, if you really look at any kind of an industry you know, you know, universities, schools, training programs, you know, they all cost money. And sometimes newer talents will read blogs or read things online 
where, you know, they're almost floored when you tell them that it's going to take a little bit of an investment to get into this, you know, coaching, equipment, demos, time, you know, websites, time, exactly. And for whatever reason, you know, they, you know, there's books out there that can be very mythical about this. And they think it's, they can just take a free ride and jump over the rainbow to the pot of gold without putting any effort into it, you know, mentally or financially. And I think that's where people really get snake bitten because they realize, oh man, I did everything the wrong way. I'm not getting anywhere. You know, maybe they got a couple of Fiverr gigs. Ooh. You know, or something like that. I know that's kind of a that's it's, it's that's definitely <laughs> it's a cheap shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> profanity in the uh in the voiceover pro world, but um and they just kind of stumble and they, you know, they're never gonna get picked up by any talent agencies without you know, with that type of uh mentality. And honestly, that's where people really make the mistake. They assume, you know, that they can this is not a you know, this isn't something that, you know, you can do, oh, I'm unemployed, I'll just get into voiceovers and that'll that'll take care of everything. Make a quick uh, buck. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it's not that. And for some reason, uh, voiceovers once in a while have, you know, the industry, it's, it's not like it has the reputation of that, but once, you know, at least one out of every five inquiries that I get from somebody who wants to get into voiceovers, uh, somebody is absolutely astounded when you tell them the pricing for either coaching or a demo or just, you know, building up the business, uh, period, you know? Indeed. And one thing that, like, I mean, it's funny that they do that to you, because frankly, and I, like, I've done this a lot on uh, the voiceover camp, like, Terry has some of the most reasonable coaching and demo production rates out there. Shh, and don't say that. And still be available do, anymore. by the way, and still do. I'm still, like, way under what any of my competitors are charging. Thank you very much. Well, we're not tossing out numbers here, but you get a no. lot of bang, a lot of bang <laughs> for your buck. Like, for example, Paul and I were both previous students of Terry's, so we actually still have access to an entire archive of all of his webinars, and we're yeah. welcome to join his weekly, uh, or excuse me, bi-monthly um, online classes, and just, like, in practice scripts or learn more about marketing. And, of course, you've got all of your free content through your blog and your pot, or excuse me, your voiceover sermons. You really are pretty generous with all the content you offer to students and non-students alike. And dare I say, it's actually quality. I think the, de <laughs> the demos well, you produced for Sean and I have signed both of us to agencies. Oh, that's across that's, the world. That's really good to hear. And I, you know, I started to kind of branch out a little bit on the programs. You know, I've got a, I've got an excellent copywriter. I've got a couple of other coaches that are kind of uh, that I'm kind of honing into my my big uh, program that I that I've just recently kind of. Well, it's kind of a soft launch, but. Um, and even a website designer, because if you really think about it, you know, people, you know, people tell me that they, they like my programs, you know, they've gone through the coaching, they got a great demo. It's like, oh man, now I need a website. And I never really had that as part of the program before, but now I have a website designer on my staff. I really wanted to create a program that was really the full toolbox, you know, the, the, the full plate of meat and potatoes, so to speak, where it's like, all right, so coaching, some group classes, some demos, some, uh, you know, after demo mentoring and website, it just, it, it felt like I needed to kind of add to, uh, the toolbox just a little bit. So why don't you, uh, well, um, why don't you tell us about your new staff? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm using a, a terrific talent named Tawny Plattis. She's the one who writes the scripts for the demos and she's, uh, very, very good. She also used to own, you know, a retail store and has got a ton of marketing experience. Uh, she's done very well in voice acting as well. And Rob Marley, who's a great blog writer and 
uh, does a lot of uh, uh, a lot of narration work, really. Not like not like a big commercial broadcast guy, but just a ton of you know big kind of independent contractor like voice talent, but a very very good coach. And then Josh Risser, who's a very talented young man, is a uh, that's you know designing websites is what he does for a living pretty much. And I added him to the uh, to the staff as well to help design and develop voiceover websites for students. So it really has become quite the uh, the full menu, so to speak. Not necessarily menu. My brain is shutting down. I don't, I'm not using the right words now all of a sudden. Josh, by the way, is the most recent uh, like on the VO Meter Facebook page. So thank you very much, Josh. Oh, terrific. Yeah, he's he's a good talent, you know, all by himself. But he's really he's a really good, like, webmaster. And he's got an understanding of what, it, you know, he doesn't build websites that suck. <laughs> there's and there's I'm your not, marketing tagline. I know your tagline right there. We websites build websites don't that don't suck. No, he's really he's really cool, very talented guy, and just a, a hell of a good website designer too. And it was just you know, even if things are going well, you know, I've been a, a solo voiceover mentor for many 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 years now. But it's still nice to change things up here and there, and add a few pieces and take some pieces out. You know, I'm always trying to improve you know, my craft as a voiceover coach as well. And, um, Paul, you've been very boisterous with your opinions. Uh, I, sound, yeah. I sound I like I'm being myself. sarcastic, but I'm really not. I like, you know, people who have a quote-unquote clue. I enjoy getting feedback and ideas from them. And, and both of you guys have been gracious with, with that type of feedback. So I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, well, we were inspired by you. And it's the whole reason we started this podcast, uh, among others. But to, to give back to that community to some of the knowledge that we've we've gleaned from all the successful pros like yourself. Well, I appreciate that. And you, and this is episode number, you guys have done pretty well with this podcast. This especially is Lucky 13. Yeah, this is number 13. I know there, there's people. And, and Rob Marley, actually, Paul, you told me that you were doing it, but then Rob Marley told me about it, thinking that I didn't already know about it. And he was a fan, really, ever since the first couple of episodes. You know, you guys are mm-hmm. kind of, you know, newer in the industry. You don't try to pretend that you're an expert at everything. You're kind of like new guys who are trying to find your way through the voiceover world. You're very real. You're very genuine. You're not a narcissistic elitist. <laughs> um, it's not, not your way Wednesday, or the highway. And, you know, you don't... Uh, yeah, never mind. I was going to rip on a couple people, but forget it. Well, like you were, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like you're saying, we don't blow smoke. We just kind of want people to know the reality of getting involved in the business if it's something they want to do. So absolutely. Yeah. And I will tell people who are listening to this. It's uh, and I and I wrote a blog on this recently, and maybe even did a sermon on the same blog. Uh, it's just that you know there are so many different opinions out there and there are so many chefs in the kitchen when it comes to voiceover advice. So make sure that you're getting advice from all over the place, not just like one voiceover group, you know, because I've heard people that, well, what's his name said that in uh, this group. So I'm going to just go ahead and be an auto mechanic instead, you know, and somebody (laughs) that just wants to give up. I'm like, you know, in, in this day and age of, forums on Facebook and LinkedIn, you know, people are going to have about 150 different opinions on the same subject. And you really have to just dig deep and really do your research and not base everything on what one or two people say. Yeah, it's a valid point. And to be certain that most of the community will help if asked, as long as you're respectful about it. You're right. It's a very, very helpful community. What, uh, you know, there there are people out there that kind of troll new talents and they like to just 
tell them what idiots they are. And, and that that's, there's just no place for that. I just, I see this stuff in these, these quote unquote professional voiceover groups. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? You got a, you know, you got a guy who's got about a year of experience going into 25 different voiceover groups and spewing out a bunch of bullshit to people. Wait, are when... you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> when they have no idea what the hell they're talking about. And honestly, if you're really that successful, you probably don't have eight or nine hours out of the day to give people advice. Well said. Sage advice. Well, Terry, so it's put been... that put that in your AT2020 and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, it's been such a pleasure. We've been waiting for this for such a long time. Oh, that smells good, Sean. <laughs> Well, I am in Washington, but... Oh, nice. <laughs> that's true. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> I was trying to wrap up in a, in a nice little way. But anyway... So it, was I. But it, It's been a pleasure. We were so happy that you said yes to come on. We have admired your work and benefited from your coaching for so long. It was really great to have you on. My pleasure, guys. I'll come back anytime. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. So before you leave, Terry, what's the best way to get a hold of you if people just want to ask you questions or get some coaching? Well, I like it when people come to my door and knock. No, uh, <laughs> I, I would say, you know, you can hit me up on Facebook. I'm easy to find. Uh, come into VoiceOver Camp on Facebook. Or you can send me an email, Terry, T-E-R-R-Y, at UniversalVoiceTalent.com. And the website is the same Address universalvoicetalent.com. Doing a makeover of that one, thank God. Uh, that one's been collecting dust for a little bit. Not collecting dust, meaning that it's not working, but it's time for a makeover, no question about it. But those are different ways that you can get a hold of me. And we're back. Man, isn't he just sound like a guy you want to have a beer with? <laughs> thank you so much, Terry. Um, Learned so much and had a blast talking with him. So you can find him up on Facebook or you can find him at his personal website, universalvoicetalent.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. To follow along, please visit www.vometer.com. <laughs>